Drinking Wine with Bad Company. Collard Greens from the Elvis Presley Family Restaurant, Indian Food in Glasgow, and a place called Dona Taco Palace. This week, we're talking to famous musicians about their favorite dishes and drinks. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. And this week, I thought we'd take a listen to some of my favorite rock star interview moments from the past couple of years. I got to talk to a lot of great musicians, and they told me great stories, like playing golf with members of ACDC, grilling Boudin, and the best Italian restaurant in Albany, New York. But before we get to this, let me ask you a favor. If you could subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't done so already, you can get it delivered directly to your tablet, your laptop, or your phone every Friday. We drop an episode of Destination Eat Drink each and every Friday. And if you have the time, rate and review us as well. Helps more foodies find us in the yawning chasm of the internet. Paul Cullen is a musician who was the bass player for the rock band Bad Company. Now he's an acclaimed chef and he also has his own line of food products. And last spring, Paul told me about discovering wine from the backseat of a bus while on tour with Bad Company. My mom was full-blooded Italian, so my last name's Cullen. My, my dad was Irish, but Talia Farrow was my mom's maiden name. So <clears throat> I've been drinking really bad Chianti since I was 10 years old because <laughs> that's the kind my grandfather bought, you know, in a jug. And uh, um, and now I really appreciate Chianti, Chianti Classico and Brunello's. You know, it's the same grape except it wasn't in a jug. Right. Um, so really, truly, um, Mick Ralphs and I, uh, we were doing an overnighter. Mick didn't like to fly, so the other guys would fly. It'd be like a couple of, of a couple of us on the bus, and we recorded every night on cassette, and we'd sit in the back of the bus and doing an overnighter and uh, listen to some uh, listen to the board tape and kind of go, hey, maybe we can do this here, we can do that there, and, and then one night he goes, hey, do you like um, do you like wine? I said, well, I don't know if I've really had good wine. He goes, have you ever had Chateauneuf de Pop? And I oh. said, Chat the what the what the pop what? <laughs> so I tell you what, he popped that bottle. And I was in wine heaven, and uh, we actually drank two of them, just me and him together that night. We were we were partying pretty hard, but uh, but yeah, so that kind of turned me on to it. And then uh, anytime we went out to dinner, he was always buying a good bottle of French wine. Every once in a while, you know, he'd pull out a Barolo or a Brunello from Italy, and sure. you know, he was really into wine. And uh, so that really got me started. And you know, I I guess I didn't know then, you know, because I was busy rocking and rolling that that would be a huge part of my life now, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's how it started. Mick on the back of the bus drinking a French Chateauneuf de Pop. What a way to start. What a, what an introduction, Chateauneuf de Pop. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's still, I still have such a, such a warm place in my heart for that wine. Whenever I get one for a present, everybody knows that's one of my favorites. So I, you know, when, when Christmas and my birthday comes around, I, I get a few bottles of it. So uh, as you probably know too, uh, from my website, we host vacations uh, and our first vacation we hosted was in 2014. It was Rome to Barcelona. I uh, know Rome to Lisbon. And one of our stops was Marseille, France. So I said, my travel agent said, do you want to go to any region in France, you know, for a, a day trip? I said, hell yeah, I want to go to Chateauneuf-de-Pop. So it was 
it was heaven. That that day was pure heaven. Uh, we got to go all the way out there and uh, and went to Avignon, the, the town that's close to there. And but it was great. I, I have a great picture of me with you know the Chateauneuf they pop sign, and and I got a really big smile. That's for sure. <laughs> we went there a couple years ago, and the village of Chateauneuf de Pop is glorious. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also have they also have a nice little wine museum there. And I just encourage everyone to go there. I mean, the wines are expensive, of course, but it's so worth it. And you can find values there when you travel there. But this region of France is just absolutely spectacular. No doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, right across the, the river, you can get the same similar style of wine and it's about a third of the price. Uh, but, you know, but it's great, though. You know, we we got to take people up there. And in fact, the, the producer's name was Paul Coulon, but it was spelled a little different than Cullen. So <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey, Paisan. <laughs> hey, Paisan. He's like, no, I don't know you. I'm like, OK. I said, how about bad company? He said, no, nah, not so much. And no, anyway, so but uh, but it was it was great. Love that story. Here's Paul telling me about playing golf with Brian Johnson, lead singer of ACDC. I ended up being great friends with the bass player from ACDC, Cliff Williams. And uh, and uh, I spent a lot of time with him partying and hanging out and and uh, and also playing golf with Brian Johnson from ACDC. So so what I found out on on that level is that they were just cool guys, man. They just happened to be, you know, playing in, you know, major rock bands and basically millionaires. So Brian Johnson, let me let me just stop you right there because this yeah. is an image that I am having trouble uh, wrapping my mind around. <laughs> Brian Johnson is a golfer. <laughs> oh, he loved it. Yeah, him and his wife Brenda and uh, anytime that like Brian was on the road, I'd always get a call because they always needed a fourth. You know, I go play with his wife Brenda. But no, Brian and Brian's an excellent chef uh, cook. Also, in fact, he specializes in Indian food, really? which makes total sense because if you live in England, that's pretty much what you eat is yes. England, Indian food. So that's where I learned to love it too. It's in fact, other than Italian, it, it is my favorite other food. Maybe Indian and Thai are my two uh, favorite other uh, ethnic foods. So, uh, yeah, so Brian was super cool. He had me and my ex-wife over for dinner and, you know, we walk into the penthouse of his condo where he was living at the time and I could smell Indian food and, and, uh, he, you know, I'm thinking like, man, he's probably got like some really rock and music on. He's playing like Billie Holiday and Patsy <laughs> Cline. And nice. I was like, dude, you are, you're even cooler than I thought I told him, you know, and he loved that, you know. Marshall Crenshaw is a great singer and songwriter who released his first album almost 40 years ago. And Marshall talks to me about becoming a foodie while a young man in the cast of Beatlemania and some of his most memorable meals. There would be sometimes there would be group dinners with the cast of the show. Those are always lots of fun. You know, somebody would find a place and and say, oh, we all we should go to this place, you know. And then we all would go, and it would just be, always be a great place, you know. There were lots of good Asian cuisine to be had, and there was good uh, seafood on Fisherman's Wharf. At least I thought so at the time. Uh, it just sort of hit me then, started to hit me then. I'd say that uh, just if I was going to go to a place in New York, I'm, the first thought that I had was of this place that isn't uh, there anymore, and it's got nothing to do with the public health crisis that we're in right now this place actually closed a couple of years ago but it was a joint called bombay palace indian restaurant and i was taken there for lunch one day uh this um musician magazine i don't know if you remember that one sure but they did an article it was a joint article between me and billy bragg and graham parker Wow, good combination yeah it was and you know so we had lunch and talked and did this interview thing 
but it, it, you know, it happened at this at Bombay Palace, and uh, you know, I've always loved Indian food. When my wife and I lived in New York City in the eighties, for part of that time, we lived in the in the East Village, and East Sixth Street at that time was like a real uh, you know hotbed for Indian restaurants. There were like twenty of them in this one block. And the one that we would go to always was Matali. Matali, over on the west side, at Sixth Avenue and Bleecker Street was, uh, or Seventh Avenue and Bleecker Street was Matali West, which was also really good. That place is a Five Guys now. Oh, but oh, uh, anyway, Indian food is. Uh, I'm trying to think of my favorite meals I've ever had in my life, and I guess a lot of them have been in Indian restaurants. So, what are your, some of your favorite Indian dishes? So, you, you spend a lot of time in Indian restaurants. You must have you must have some faves. Yeah, it, var- it varies. You know, I order, I order different things. You know, another meal that really sticks in my mind. I meant to look up the name of this place in Albany. Right now, okay. I, I live about an hour south of Albany, New York, and uh, there's this old school Italian place there. It's been there forever. The best. And when you drive by it, you know, you look at the old neon sign, and if you're like me, you think, I got to go in there. <laughs> and, uh, but, and it is a great place, but there was this one night when we went up there to see a show. We went to see the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Oh, and, uh, the best. We tried to go guys. to this Indian place that I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, this Italian. We tried to go to this Italian place that I can't remember the name of. But if you Google, Italian restaurant, Albany, New York, it'll come up first, but we couldn't get in into there. So we wound up being redirected to this place, just like a block away in this kind of nondescript looking building down a couple of stairs. And that meal uh, is still, you know, vivid in my memory. Uh, I had swordfish. There was some risotto involved. Right. And uh, I think there was some pesto sauce in there somewhere. But anyway, whatever <laughs> it was, the bread and the bread, you know, with the olive oil, just like that meal, I'll never forget. When you uh, when you eat Italian, do you like to have, do you have wine with it? What's your, what's your bev of choice? I don't know if I did that night, but uh, yeah, I, I used, you know, I used to drink a lot of wine. In fact, I even have a song called Red Wine. And this was a, a thing that lasted a while, you know, like it was my go-to beverage <laughs> except you know it was water and red wine that was kind of it <laughs> well coffee too but uh i stopped drinking it a little while ago because i wanted to i wanted to lose weight i realized that i didn't like the way i looked and i wanted to lose about 10 or 15 pounds so i cut out the wine and the carbs that's going to put a, a a stitch in the Italian food. Then no carbs, no wine. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, I have to decide that I'm going to break my usual routine and just go for it if I'm going to have Italian. But no, yeah, no, it's not. It doesn't fit into what I normally eat these days. But I still I still do it once in a while. Once in a while, I just say, well, it's time for some pasta and bread. You know, I can get away with it now. You got you got to a place you want to be, I guess. Yeah, you've heard of keto, right? Yeah, the keto diet. This is what I did, you did, you know, and it, it I got really good results from it. And I also liked making the change, just you know, like 
deciding I was going to do something and then actually doing it and making it work. It was, you know, it was cool. So I've heard of the keto diet, and I guess I know people who have done it, but I don't think I've really explored what exactly it is. Like, what are the parameters in the keto diet? Well, the principle of it is to retrain your body to burn uh, fat for energy rather than burn carbohydrates, and you do that by depriving your body of carbohydrates for a while. And then, and lo and behold, you know, I, I did it. And within about two months, I, I lost the weight I wanted to lose. You know, I didn't, you can't actually cut out carbohydrates 100%, I don't think. Or at least I never, I never have really done that, except maybe at first. You know, I sneak a few back in, but. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of stuff has carbohydrates in it, but, you know, I think what they're maybe talking about is refined carbohydrates, like bread and pasta and stuff like that. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, like in terms of taste and flavor and stuff like that, I I haven't, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't like the food and the way it tasted. My wife is a great cook and really knows what food is and what it's supposed to be. And she got this cookbook right when I started the whole thing with actually fantastic recipes in it. And she just got it at Joanna Fabrics, the cookbook. <laughs> But, you know, she started making this stuff and, like, you know, she personalized the stuff a little bit. And, uh, again, if, if I didn't like the way the food tasted, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do it. I could never go on a diet where the food was bland or... So your your wife, it sounds like your wife does a lot of the cooking in your house. Uh, what What's your favorite dishes that she makes for you? I really like everything that she makes. But uh, she makes great collard greens. Oh, That's good. another uh, cuisine that I really love is Southern food, you know, like soul food, you know, fried chicken and collard greens and all that kind of stuff. If it's good, then it's better than anything to me. And, uh, you know, when I, fr I first got into it, I was like real critical about collard greens, you know, different places. I'd say, well, this is, you know, uh, that became important. And then at some point in time, my wife, Actually, it was my brother John that told her, that suggested this to her. He said that the uh, collard green recipe in the Presley family cookbook oh. that you can get at Graceland or that you could <laughs> get at Graceland, he said that's a really good recipe. So uh, she tried it, and then she kind of, like I said, she personalized it a bit. Now when I go into a restaurant, I never think that the collard greens are as good as what I get at home. So maybe that's my favorite thing she makes. But she makes, well, you know, just lots of great stuff. Kevin Russell is the leader behind the band Shiny Ribs from Austin, Texas. Kevin also has a great pedigree. He was in the 90s band The Gourds. He's also played and recorded with the legendary Doug Somm. And Kevin's a real foodie. He tells me about a place called Donut Taco Palace, the place that inspired the song of the same name. I think I think the people that open it are I want to say they're either Filipino or Indonesian. Um, so the the strike is the reason I went there eventually. It was it was it was right next to my children's middle school that they went to at the time. Uh, there was a middle school called Clint Small Middle School, and it was at, at an exit um, called Industrial Oaks, which I thought was hilarious too. I'm like, what is an industrial oak? <laughs> I just, that always made me laugh was Industrial Oaks, which I think would be a good band name. And uh, 
So there was this, and they loved Donut Taco Palace, uh, and so it was right by the school. And every Friday, we would go early and get donuts in from Donut Taco Palace, and uh, they would go to school early and hang out with their friends and eat donuts. And it's just tradition. So, but every time I walk into that place, that that hook, Donut Taco Palace, Donut Taco, that would just be in my head, I and mean, it was in my head for a couple of years. And I would always say to myself, "Yeah, I really need to." I need to write that song, you know. It's just stuck in my head, and I've got to write it. So eventually, I I did write the song. Um, uh, just you know, I was going after kind of a Doug Sum, Joe King Carrasco kind of thing. That's uh, what it was suggested to me. Uh, it's a cool place, though. It's like they, it's donuts, as I said, and they have and they have tacos. Uh, and like I tell a lot of people, they're not they're not the they're not the best tacos. They're not the worst tacos. They're just the ones that are closest to my house, right? So <laughs> I don't want people to think just because I'm singing about it, it's great, right? Same with Lake Charles. People send me uh, pictures where they're driving through Lake Charles and they're all excited. They're like, we're in Lake Charles. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not really, I mean, it's kind of the, you know, like Ray Wiley Hubbard says, the thing about, Thing about irony is no one ever gets it. Right. <laughs> you didn't mean <laughs> to glamorize. You weren't glamorizing yeah. the place. Yeah, I'm not glamorizing, but it, you know, music can do that, you know. Um, and so if you write songs about a place, it, tend, it tends to glamorize it. But, um, but Lake Charles is lovely, don't get me wrong. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, so you go into this place and it's very small and uh, they're churning out the donuts. The, donut, the, the, the tacos are pre-made. It's not like fresh or anything. And uh, and it's pretty ba- pretty basic, really. Um, and then there's like some Buddha. They have Buddhas all over the place, and like a little Buddha tip jar, and uh, they're Buddhas. And um, I just thought that was just such a cool fusion of things, you know, donuts and tacos and Buddhists next to Clint Small Middle School <laughs> at Industrial Oaks Boulevard. <laughs> all that together just really turned me on. I was like, this is so great. It just stimulated me. Oh, only in Austin, um, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, that's the way I see the world. I, I look around and when I observe things and when they sort of make an interesting fusion things, of things that seem opposed that are suddenly together and it makes sense somehow. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So, uh, they, and they actually do have something called a donut taco and it's basically like a tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fried. It's like fried donut bread, and then they they fill it with whatever you know, bacon, eggs, sausage, and so I got a donut taco once, and man, it is one of the heaviest things I've ever. Oh, eaten. geez, I can't imagine. I, even, I mean, I could maybe eat a third of it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I gotta stop. This is ridiculous. <laughs> After talking donuts, we get into East Texas and Louisiana, and talk about. Boo Dan with Kevin Russell of Shiny Ribs. You know, drive like going to to Louisiana. Once once you get just once you get right over the border around Lake Charles and between Lake Charles and Lafayette, then you start seeing you know all the Boo Dan houses, and uh, those are always fun to stop at. You know, and get some get some smoked Boo Dan is usually what I'm after. So um, to me, that's the best the best way to have Boo Dan. Um, and what exactly uh, is boudin? It's uh, it's uh, basically like um, dirty rice uh, in, in, a, in a sausage casing. It's basically right? it's a little more meaty. 
pork, uh, organ meat, and rice seasonings. Uh, and it, you know, it varies from whoever makes it better. And there's a lot of ways to eat it, you know. So, um, but the, when you smoke boudin, I it's, it's so good. It's so great. Uh, so a lot of and so the traditional way is to to steam it, and you you cut cut off the end and you squeeze it onto a cracker and eat it on a cracker. It's like uh, pate or something. Uh, you know, you're basically squeezing the sausage out onto a cracker. And uh, it's really great that way. But um, so there's a place, one place that comes to mind that that we've eaten that many times. They don't, I don't know if they do smoked boudin. They do the traditional boudin, and they have tasso, you know, the smoked um, the uh, smoked sausage, you know, tasso uh, and and uh, some other various things. But they're they're more traditional. Uh, it's called best stop, B E S T stop, best stop, and that's. I want to say that's just uh, just west of Lafayette, um, yeah, off I-10 there, and there's big signs for it, uh, and that's a fun place to stop. You get, as I remember, that they got some really thick uh, Cajun accents there, and those are always fun to hear. Yeah, especially especially if some of their kids are like hanging out, sitting on the counter by the register, talking to their mom who's ringing you up. Those little kids talking Cajun is a kick, man, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so that smoked boudin, it's kind of like a, a, a French influence with the boudin, and then, yeah. and then it's got yeah. the, the Texas, New Orleans uh, accent with the smokiness. That's, a, that's really interesting yeah. that they combine those two together. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Southwest Louisiana, Southeast Texas, are, that's its own little culture there, you know, um, like in Beaumont, Port Arthur, where I'm from, that's where I was born. Um, yeah, they'll grill boudin, which at one point I think was thought of as sacrilegious to grill boudin, and because it, it'll kind of fall apart. It's not, it's not a real uh, dense sausage, you know, because it has rice in it, and there's a lot of air in there. But, um, but it's really good that way. Um, you know, I thought it was sacrilege personally. When I, the first time I went to Beaumont and I played a party and they were grilling boudin, I was like, what the hell are y'all doing? Damn rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, we do it. Like, oh, it's boudin here. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that is damn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess y'all know if you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a great cook there. He's a, he mostly caters, um, all around Beaumont, his name's uh, Rich Corville. Uh, we call him Big Rich and uh, Corville, C-O-U-R-V-I-L-L-E. And him and his family uh, have run this catering business for a long time. He also does supper shows. We play there at his little place on Highway 90 there. Um, and he always, the way he does it is he has a show and you, you pay uh, a ticket. Maybe it might be 20, 30 bucks, I guess. But you get a meal and you get a show all for that one ticket. So, you know, you get maybe like 150, 200 people in there and uh, they get a great meal that Rich and them make in the kitchen there. And man, it always smells so good in that place, man. He does, and he has a lot of fun with food, Rich does. But he, he does some great smoked booty and he does that touffaire and gumbo and all that stuff. Um, but they do all kind of fun food, you know. And, uh, Rich, Rich has turned me on to a lot of that that stuff you know he he's always got a suggestion for somewhere interesting to eat around there 
Victor Krauss is an incredibly talented musician who plays bass for Lyle Lovett's large band. Victor also does quite a bit of TV and movie work as well as his solo work. And Victor is a down-to-earth Midwesterner. He tells me about loving playing in Glasgow, Scotland, beer drinking in the Czech Republic, and eating on the road with Lyle Lovett. Well, I mean... For the most part, you know, it, it's catered every every night. So uh, a lot of the time, it's um, you know, it's pretty much whatever they're providing for us, which is kind of a you know, it's it, it's got some staples, but it does change from night to night sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think. It, uh, there used to be a Vietnamese restaurant in Los Gatos, California, that uh, that I would hit every time. That was called the Green Papaya. Oh, and man. that's gone away, oh, no. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, in uh, in Chicago, uh, I have to do Luminales. <laughs> yes, the pizza. In Glasgow, Scotland, my favorite, one of my favorite Indian restaurants of all time, called Mother India. Oh, cool. And there used to be another place. I'm trying to remember that the, there was a place in in London that was spectacular. I love I love Glasgow. It's one of my favorite European cities because I think it's so under the radar for a lot of people and it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit rough and tumble around the edges a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But I love that. I love that city. What uh, kind of reception does the band get in places like Glasgow? European audiences, I mean, like it's almost cliché to say, but it is it is um it is different. Um the uh, you know where it's almost kind of a very attentive, but a, but appreciative audience, and um, like in in some ways, I don't know. This may be too much of a blanket statement, but I mean it's it's almost kind of you know versus the states where it can be as much of a as an event or even a get together or party to go see a show, uh, whereas if you go to the, the um, you know overseas. A lot of the time, it feels like okay, we are. This is the listening time, hmm. and uh, <laughs> um, and then afterward, you know, talk about it a little bit. I don't know if that's. Uh, I think they're both they're both great in a lot of ways. Sure, sure. So yeah. let's talk uh, let's talk beverages because the show is destination eat drink. Um, what's, <laughs> uh, what kind of stuff do you like to to relax with as far as a beverage goes, Victor? Oh gosh, I'm I'm extremely boring. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, you know I I probably have a a drink maybe once or twice a year. Um, uh, but I mean my my go to it. I'm, I'm totally addicted to fizzy water because I I kicked uh, like Perrier and and uh, um, okay San Pellegrino. You know because uh, I, um, I I kicked. Um, caffeine a couple of years ago. Okay. So I still like carbonation, but I, I don't, uh, I was totally addicted to, uh, diet Coke. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. But I, I, You're one vice. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the best beer I ever tasted was, uh, Pilsner Urquell about, um, we were on a, I did, it was a tour with my group when we actually went to the Czech Republic and, okay. um, and this was, uh, I, I guess, it was the the t- the town was Pills, yes. and um, and uh, we were like in the same town as the factory, and um, I couldn't believe the difference between something that hadn't been on the shelf or anything 
for any length of time. And uh, that was amazing to me. Like, and, I, and every once in a while, they'll, they'll try to, I say, oh, yeah, Pilsner Urquell would be, or, or, or however you pronounce it, um, would be amazing. And, and it's it's not as, you know, just having, I guess, coming from the Czech Republic and having all that time possibly not as refrigerated as whatever that was, you know, isn't quite the same. But that was the most amazing beer experience I ever had. And, and I, I do like Sapporo every once in a while. <laughs> I just found out that uh, on my father's side, there's some Czech uh, Bohemian, oh, wow. su- Southern Bohemian. And so it's funny you bring that up because my girlfriend and I were, we had a trip to Italy that got canceled because of the pandemic. And now we're trying to figure oh, out when this thing opens back up where we're going to go. And she's insisting that we go to uh, to Southern uh, Czech Republic to Bohemia and see these towns. And wow, Pills wow. is definitely going to be one of the places where we're going to go and, and check out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, get a, I did a band um, we did ten shows in the Czech Republic only. Uh, we were we were gone for twelve days and did ten shows. And, oh, wow. and, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was it was amazing and just uh, how exciting. I mean, the, again, talk about audiences that just like hadn't never met or been familiar with anything that I had done before. You know, this was under my group's name, and just so nice and receptive. And it was you know it felt like it was out of a, a movie set. I felt like a total rock star over there <laughs> all right there you go maybe someday victor kraus and i will get to sit down and share a pilsner what a great time i had talking to paul collin marshall crenshaw kevin russell and of course victor kraus maybe we should do another episode of rock stars sometime in the future i've got a lot of other great shows i could slice and dice for you including uh, kate pearson from the b-52s but next week we've got an all-new show And that will be on truffles, specifically truffles from Australia. Truffles are in season right now. It's winter down in Australia, so we'll be talking fungi next week. While you're waiting for that, head on over to DestinationEatDrink.com. My latest blog post is about a really cool bread that's made in southern Italy from scraps of dough. Just go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. You can also get all the show notes and links to my guests' websites at radiomisfits.com and click on the podcast tab and Destination Eat Drink. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Prince of Chicago, Ed Silla, and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 